Thanks for being available this morning. It's so oh, good to yeah. see you. Good to see you too. Bright and early for you. You know what? Yes, it turned out it was kind of a, a busy morning before my morning even started. So yeah, it's good to see you. I'm really excited to get into today's topic. Looks like we've got some um, some followers uh, joining us this morning. Okay, um, This is Dr. Rinko Mera. She is a pediatric, a board-certified pediatric endocrinologist. Um, for those of you who might not be aware, endocrinology has to do with um, the uh, the organ system that kind of governs our metabolism um, and things of that nature. And today we're particularly interested in uh, talking about um, prediabetes. I, I kind of think that some people might kind of wonder what prediabetes is, but I'll let you introduce yourself too, Dr. Mara. Sure. Yeah. So um, my name is Dr. Mira. I'm a board-certified pediatric endocrinologist, and I'm also board-certified in obesity medicine Fantastic. because I spent a lot of my career really talking to patients about weight and diabetes prevention, and type 2 diabetes prevention in kids. And so I got my obesity board certification. And I'm currently, currently located in Virginia, but I do telemedicine currently in about four states. So Maryland, Virginia, Iowa, and Florida. Fantastic. Uh, and, um, and I feel like there are a lot of questions about, um, weight in kids and what's healthy and not healthy. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, I'm happy to spread that right. message and answer questions. Well, and I think part of it. So I'm a general pediatrician here in Portland, Oregon, and I see kids from newborn all the way up until a about age 21. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I am the sort of pediatrician that would send patients to an endocrinologist if I thought that they were having issues with, you know, controlling their blood sugars because they're pre-diabetic. Um, or a lot of times, like, and we did see a lot of this um, during the COVID pandemic, were children, children, children whose body mass index really kind of increased significantly because of the lack of activity because kids were kind of home from school and not getting the same amount of activity that they would just by walking to school or walking around in school or even participating in PE. And so I found in my practice that I had a lot of children who I was worried about might, you know, they were having pretty significant um, issues with um, fast weight gain and worried about them, you know, maybe even developing type 2 diabetes. And so I would do these workups and then I'd find out that, um, you know, the endocrinologists here just really, I think they, part of it was they were overwhelmed, but really didn't have like a great infrastructure to help children um, kind of get slim and trim to a healthier body weight. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm really um, grateful that you're in, in, in this space doing this kind of work because there's definitely a big need for it. Um, so let's talk a little bit about prediabetes. For people who don't know what that is, how, how do you define it? So. Oh, you know, pre-diabetes is really, you know, if you want to think about it, it's the stage that you're you're in before you develop full-blown diabetes. Okay. okay. So the definition of diabetes is if you have a fasting blood sugar, so if they come into the office and you draw blood on them, they're fasting. If the fasting blood sugar is over 126, then that's considered diabetes. Mm -hmm. Or if there's a random blood sugar that you check that's over 200, that's diagnostic of diabetes. Um, and so really that's the definition of diabetes. And pre-diabetes is really before that stage, okay? It's also defined by a measurement called a hemoglobin A1C, mm -hmm. which um, we as physicians all know about. But really that tells us, you know, how much, how what percentage of your red blood cells have sugar essentially attached to it, okay? Right. 
Okay. And so if you have prediabetes, um, you know, diabetes is a hemoglobin A1C of 5%, 5.7% or more. And then pre, you know, prediabetes is really between that stage of 5.4 to 5.6 or 5.3 to 5.6, depending on who you talk. But, okay. but really it's, you know, a certain percentage of your red blood cells have sugar attached to them. And you're kind of in that phase where you're really at risk to develop full-blown diabetes, um, but you haven't quite got there. And it is important to know if you have prediabetes because, you know, the risk of developing full-blown diabetes um, is pretty eminent, essentially, you know, in, unless you make a change. So if you check a blood sugar in the morning and it's 100 to 125, that's suggestive of prediabetes. Because 126 is our hard cutoff for diabetes. And I don't know why it's, you know, 126 and not 125, but it's, you know, 100 to 125 is pre-diabetes. And then if you do a random blood sugar and it's, you know, 140, you know, then 140 to 200 or 199, that's really considered pre-diabetes. Um, and so that's really important to, to know what those numbers mean. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that's important is sometimes you can have symptoms even if you have prediabetes. So you can have symptoms, like for a child, drinking a lot, drinking that's just unusual for the child. Like, you know, they're drinking more, they're peeing more. For young kids, I often say, look at the back of their neck, right? In the back of their neck or under their armpits, they can have this dark patch of skin Mm -hmm. there and it's not dirt. And so I have patients who come to see me and say, oh, they've been scrubbing this and it's not going away. It's not dirt. It's the thick, you know, thickened skin behind the neck because they have higher levels of insulin and that insulin can help make, you know, not help, but that makes that skin get thicker. Right. And so that is also suggestive of, you know, prediabetes or diabetes coming. Mm-hmm. So I guess the question that kind of came to my mind and I, and I, I think I know the answer to this, but just for our followers out there, like, can kids get prediabetes just as easily as adults? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Kids can get prediabetes. Kids can get diabetes. And we're talking, when we're talking about prediabetes, you know, for the purposes, I guess, of our conversation here, we're talking about type 2 diabetes mm-hmm. um, for prediabetes, right. right? So type 1 diabetes is where your body just doesn't make insulin. It used to be called juvenile diabetes. And um, that is the whole, you know, different disease process altogether. Your, your body cells just cannot make, your pancreatic cells cannot make insulin. Mm-hmm. And so right. that's a separate process. The symptoms are the same, drinking a lot, peeing a lot, rapid weight loss. But what we're talking about is when we talk about prediabetes and when you talk to a healthcare professional or, you know, um, just the general public about prediabetes, we're talking about type 2 diabetes, which traditionally has been an adult disease. So it's typically seen in adults, um, you know, we didn't really see a lot of type 2 diabetes until recently because now we're seeing that kids are gaining weight rapidly. Right. And they, um, you know, have a harder time processing the food that they're eating with the insulin that they currently have. Mm-hmm. So we all have a little bit of insulin. It helps us to regulate our blood sugars. When you have too much, you know, food or food that gets converted to sugar in your body, you just don't have the reserve. You don't have enough insulin to... Right process that. So is that where parents should start to worry then is if they notice their children um, are really kind of gaining weight rapidly, mm-hmm. um, you know, that would maybe be like a good reason to go in and see a regular doctor like me. And then it's 
if we do blood tests in the office or even um, outside of the office and um, do those fasting um, blood glucose and fasting insulin and it's elevated, then we send them to a pediatric endocrinologist like yeah. you. Yeah. So, so after, so after we've kind of made this diagnosis of prediabetes, like what do we do? Um, like how, how can we help? And is it something that we could actually like reverse? Yeah. So, you know, to, to be honest, when I, um, you know, I've been working in academic centers and private practice for over 15 years. And I think that was as an endocrinologist, I didn't really have time to counsel my patients often right. on, like similar to what you said, on mm -hmm. prevention. Um, now, you know, after I got my obesity board certification, I really focus on prevention of diabetes before we actually get to prediabetes. Um, meaning that, you know, at every visit for you, you're counseling your patients mm -hmm. on, you know, their, you know, weight um, as, a, as a measurement. So we don't want to, you know, talk about, you know, shaming the child for their weight. And sometimes patients, the, you know, pediatric patients don't want to come to the doctor because they don't want to talk about their weight. Right. And so, um, so I think it's important just to assess that there's an overall health issue, just overall for the family. You know, what's their, what's their eating pattern like? What's their mm -hmm. activity like? And really having a gen, like a, you know, good discussion about that, that we just want to focus on being healthy and preventing diabetes because diabetes does have long-term health complications. So right. you can lose your vision, you can lose your, you know, you can have dif difficulty with your nerves, you can have difficulty with going to the bathroom, mm -hmm. difficulty healing from wounds. For young kids, you know, they can get infections and they don't heal um, or they can get yeast infections. And so really important to keep them healthy. So I think having a discussion with a pediatrician every visit to say, you know, is there anything that you want to discuss about, you know, your lifestyle, right. your weight? Mm -hmm. and, and then um, and, and focusing on, you know, more of a prevention. Um, there are some, you know, obesity medications that are approved for children now. And sometimes okay. I say if their body mass index or their weight is just going up, despite whatever they're doing, they're following a healthy lifestyle, they're exercising, they're dieting, you know, whatever they're doing um, over a six to 12 month period of time, then sometimes there's a discussion to say, are there other medications that we can use to help prevent diabetes? Wow. So, so what kinds of medications would you, you know, would you recommend for a child that was in that situation where they've done all the things, they walk to school, they take a healthy lunch, they're making good food choices, they're active. Um, you know, some kids like to be active and some kids not so much. But like, what what do you offer them? So there's a whole line of, you know, medications. And so we kind of go through, it really depends on the age of the patient. It depends on um, what their, you know, we call it comorbidities or what other risk factors they have. Mm -hmm. For example, if they have ADHD also, mm -hmm. we would offer, you know, uh, medications that, you know, like fenteramine is, is something that that's sometimes you think given in conjunction um, okay. with, um, you know, diet and exercise, but that's, you know, approved for 16 and above. So we really have to look at the age criteria for gotcha. the mm -hmm. um, In somebody who has migraine headaches, you know, we could talk about, you know, Qsimia or, or Teparamate. And so, again, you know, so there's certain age wow. criteria for that and there's limitations um, for what we give. I mean, the, the one that I traditionally was giving um, not for weight loss, but really for the pre-diabetes phase was metformin. So, you know, metformin's been around for a long time. Mm -hmm. Right. And um, and we offer that medication, you know, sometimes for our patients with pre-diabetes to prevent full-blown diabetes. Right. Um, and then, you know, the the other ones like semaglutide or rogovi has been approved recently for 12 and above. Okay. Um, and so, oh, that's good to know. Yeah. Wow. Well, sometimes 
as we talk about that and say, you know, is this something? Uh, I think it's important to emphasize, though, that the medications are to be given in conjunction with diet and exercise. And so we want to make sure that we really focus on that, like healthy lifestyles. I think mm-hmm. the American Academy of Pediatrics recent guidelines that 26 weeks of diet and exercise counseling need to be given in addition to talking about medications or giving medications. So we don't okay. just want to say, here are the medications and just go and do whatever you, you know, whatever you were doing. We really need to focus on eating a healthy lifestyle. If you're already doing that, which a lot of my patients are, mm-hmm. they're already They've already been doing everything. And I believe that happened. And so, you know, there's a lot of factors that are involved with uh, genetics and environment, um, you know, African-American, Alaskan, uh, uh, Alaskans, uh, Native Americans, they have a higher risk of developing type 2 diabetes. Right. So, um, and so sometimes, you know, they've tried everything and they're they're on that road or they're already at that point that they're developing pre-diabetes. So we really want to focus on you know, can we offer some of these medications with a healthy lifestyle to prevent? So, okay. So if, so as you said, uh, diet and exercise are a huge component of making a difference for a child that is pre-diabetic. Um, who, who can people go to for that kind of help? Um, because I know what I'm able to offer here in my clinic and I find, I mean, I don't really have like a program that's sort of, you know, built up to have some accountability and a lot of guidance. Um, where would parents find that sort of a resource? Well, I mean, if they were located in my area, they could come see me because I do have that resource available. So oh, I do, fantastic. So I do check-ins with them sometimes weekly, sometimes every other week. Um, and then we go over, you know, or at least monthly, we go over some things to go through, like what are changes that we can make this month to our diet? Um, sometimes it's a little overwhelming. They don't want to talk to me every week. Um, but, um, but, you know, I have a, a course that I'm about to put out pretty soon, very soon at the end of June, that's going to talk about, you know, just the basics of diet and exercise. So we're going to talk about that for kids and families. Um, And then, you know, I think traditionally we've always said pediatrician, nutritionist, um, and then endocrinologist. I mean, those are the three, you know, the three resources that people have. There are certain centers, um, certain hospital centers that have um, weight management programs and, you know, that may be a good resource. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, you know, um, local gyms or YMCAs always have, you know, some challenges that they offer, right. you know, that you can do like a three-month challenge or mm-hmm. something like that. I think the important thing for patients and parents to know, though, is that the weight does take time to come off. And I think this has to be, you know, it's not going to come off overnight. So we have to have a dedicated plan to... You know, focus on being healthy overall. Right. And a lot of times for kids, I used to say, well, let's not focus on a diet per se. Let's just say, let's maintain our weight and then we grow into our weight. Right. Because Mm -hmm. we don't want to have, we don't want to push kids into a spiral of having an eating disorder, saying, you know, I can't eat this and can't eat that. So we really talk about, you know, the food that you're eating, what is it providing for you? Is it going to provide, you know, what kind of, like we talk about food as medicine. So is it, what kind of nutrient is that going to provide for you? Well, let's mm-hmm. focus on your protein. Like the protein is going to build muscles for you and make you run faster and swim, you know, swim faster. And um, and then we talk about, you know, um, fruits and vegetables. So they provide, you know, minerals, nutrients, vitamin C. And that's important to build 
you know, like have healthy hair, healthy skin, like overall just, you know, feel good. Right. And then, yeah, and then you need dairy and um, uh, to help build your bones. And, and then sort of anything you have, you know, a little bit beyond that is, you know, if you're hungry enough, you can have a little bit. I mean, we talk about portions, portion sizes, okay. or appropriate portion size um, for, you know, protein and carbs and fats. And, and so I think there's even myself as a parent, I didn't know the right portion sizes for my kids. So, right. Like, how um, would you know? You don't know. And you don't, yeah. So I think that's, you know, something that, that we have to recognize as pediatricians that um, there are not a lot of resources in, no, around. Right. You're not. It's either, you know, you're Googling or you're going through what is appropriate for your family. So the way that your family grew up, the way that your family ate as you were mm-hmm. growing up. Right. And oftentimes parents offer the same types of food. Um, and I will tell you, I'm doing a health fair this weekend in Maryland on diabetes. And, um, you know, I'm Indian and I grew up in an Indian household. And the food that we ate growing up tasted really good, but it's not, not salt paper yolk. And so I think, and no one ever right. ate that, right? Like, no right. one that this It's has, cultural. Right. It's very cultural. And so I think that's okay to, to do that in moderation, but there's right. a, there's a lot of discussion that we need to do with. Yeah. With As you say that, I was just thinking, I grew up in Hawaii and, you know, I now live in Oregon and I have kind of a different um, frame of mind when I look at the foods that we ate when I was a kid. Um, I mean, we drank a lot of juice. Um, we drank a lot of soda because it's hot and like you need to rehydrate. And so that just was readily available. And, you know, now in my household, we really, we don't have either. Um, and, and yet these are things, you know, for my childhood that do be kind of um, become part of like, you know, your culture or like we eat rice with everything and right. it's white rice. Right. But if you, but if you kind of go back to the roots of like the way the Hawaiians used to eat, there are things that culturally are, you know, acceptable in our, in our community as, you know, as Hawaiian that are actually really healthy. Like, lean fish um you know you can eat taro leaves and it's kind of the equivalent of spinach and sweet potato was a huge part of the diet so i think we can we can sort of look at the way we eat and sort of refine it a little bit so that we can make healthier food choices within right. what is sort of a cultural norm right for um for whatever culture um, people come from so that that's um that's really fascinating and you're right like we don't really how would a parent know what a normal portion size would be uh, yeah, no, this is absolutely fascinating. So, so have you seen children who are pre-diabetic go back to not being diabetic anymore after treatment? Yes, yes. And we see that, you know, very oh. often. And really that's our okay. goal. Our goal is to prevent diabetes development. And yes, absolutely. We see that hemoglobin A1C go down for type 2 diabetes. Um, it kind of depends, you know, sometimes some some patients have to work a little bit harder to get it to, to come down. Okay. Um, certainly we can get the A1C to come down with medication, but sometimes I have been able to take patients off of all medication because they really adopt the ch- lifestyle changes okay. uh, okay. pretty rigorously. So yes, it is preventable. It's preventable and it's reversible too. Oh, that's fantastic. So there's a lot of hope. So if somebody out there has a child that has had an increasing body mass index and has been diagnosed with prediabetes, there's hope that that is actually reversible right. yeah. and they can kind yeah. of go back to their norm right. and not have to worry about it. Right. right. Fantastic. That's great. Um, well, um, I'm wondering, we have a couple of viewers out there. If anybody has questions for Dr. Mara, um, 
go ahead and post them in uh, the comment. Um, it, it's, uh, it's good to hear this about diabetes, though, because our pre-diabetes, because I do, when I see children in, in, uh, in my office, I do spend a lot of time talking about diet. Mm -hmm. um, we talk about exercise. Um, also, as a general pediatrician, my focus is to keep kids moving. So I take, you know, any little ache and pain that they have that's preventing them from participating in PE, take it very seriously. Like if asthma is preventing them from um, participating in PE, well, we don't just write a school note, but we try to get to the root cause, which is let's get your asthma under control so you can participate because we don't want that to be a reason to slow you down. Because as we know, like as children, like if for any reason, any human slows down, it's very easy for the weight gain to start to accumulate and then it makes it harder to move. Um, and less desirable right. to move and exercise. Uh, don't see any questions out there, but um, gosh, this has been a really good discussion. Um, so if people want to work with you, you mentioned this before, you're, um, you have a medical license in four different states. Where can they find you if they want to work with you? Yeah, so I'm on Instagram at uh, Dr. R. Barra. And then if they want to contact me, they can contact me. My office phone number uh, which is 703-940-0635. Uh, I will say that I don't, um, if you, if they want to contact me through Instagram, they probably have to send me a private message because I think that's really hard to keep track of that otherwise. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, my website is www.themariclinic.com. And so they can certainly find me there. Um, okay. But I wanted to make one last point about that comment you made about a child with asthma. You know, I think that the important thing for us to think about as pediatricians and, and recognize now the American Academy of Pediatrics did come up with a statement, and I recently went to the Pediatric Endocrine Society conference, and they made the same statement to say that, you know, obesity and, and weight gain in children actually is, should be considered a chronic disease, just like asthma. Oh, and absolutely. So, and so, you know, we are going to, uh, we need to start focusing on treating weight gain in children the same as we would treat asthma. So it's a chronic condition yeah. and it's lifelong. There's genetic factors that are involved. Um, there are family and society factors involved. For example, if you have a child with asthma who lives in a home that someone's smoking, that's going to be detrimental, right? Right. Same thing with obesity. There are family and genetic factors that are involved. So I think that's very important to recognize. And I think right. as a medical community, that's new. That's been new this year that we're, you know, right. still, obesity is a chronic disease. Well, and I think part of it, as you mentioned, like the environment really kind of adds to it. Um, you know, part of it may be, as we discussed um, before, um, the way that we cook culturally and what's culturally acceptable and the way a household runs. And so, you know, I, um, and I do kind of look at this as a general pediatrician a little bit more holistically is like, it's not just, and you, and you do too, it's not just the patient in front of you, but it's right. the context that right. they live in, right? The way right. that their family right. um, lives. And so, it almost seems that to really have like an effective outcome for the child, if the child is pre-diabetic, there has to be kind of a big change in the household. Like we all kind of have to right. start making better um, food choices. And so I think that's really where it's helpful to have that continuity of care with a pediatric endocrinologist with a, you know, with a, um, you know, with a program that's kind of built up to provide that kind of support or continuity of care right. with, you know, right. general pediatrician. Right. right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, well, I'm so glad that you're out there doing this work. Um, your patients need you. I can think of a bunch of my patients that could really use your help if you are going to get your medical license in Oregon. That would be so, so awesome. Right. Yeah, um, they're on my list. I have a couple on my list. So Oregon's okay. on my list. 
Yeah. Okay. All right. So they can find you on your website um, at themeraclinic.com. Um, I'm Dr. Karen Palmer. It's really been a pleasure um, to chat with you, Dr. Mara, this morning. Oh, I have one last question I was going to ask you. Juice. People will always, yeah. they're <laughs> always worried about like juice consumption, mm -hmm. sugar consumption, if it's candy causing diabetes. What do you say? What do you say to that? I would, yeah, I would say one time, you know, or occasional having juice or, you know, candy or treat occasionally for special occasions. Okay. But um, over the long term, I think if you're drinking juice every day, that's added sugar and added calories and, and you don't really need that. And so it's really, it's a combination of, of weight gain and insulin resistance that leads to diabetes. Right. And okay. really juice and candy contribute to that. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. So one every once in a while is okay. Right. All right. 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 That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this has been really fun. I think that our our viewers out there are going to get a lot of um, a lot of really good information, and um, hopefully they will be able to find you on your website. Um, I'm Dr. Karen Palmer at Pure J Pediatrics. If you're looking for a general pediatrician in the Portland area, look us up. It's right. good Thanks. to see yeah. you. Yeah. Take, Take care. care. Thank, Thank you. Care. Bye. Bye.